So my family and I were gone the last couple Sundays. We were in Spokane, Washington with Laura's family, and we had a great time. We biked, we hiked, we boated, we swam, we slept. It was wonderful. And then we were ready to come home. And we were actually ready to come home. We, we came home this last couple week, or this last week, we celebrated a couple marriages. And it is good now to be together with our spiritual family to worship the Lord and to hear from his word. As I was getting ready for this sermon this week, I thought it might be good to review a little bit of the big picture of where we are with our preaching and, and look ahead a little bit, in part for my own benefit, to, to think through the big picture. I know Mac did a little bit of this the last couple weeks, but I wanted to zoom out even a little bit more. So this summer, we're working through the book of Ephesians from beginning to end, and we could spend probably a hundred weeks doing this, but we are just doing it over the summer, really, and a little bit into the fall. And we started with Ephesians 1 to 3, which really focus on the gift of God's grace to us, the gift that God freely gives us in Jesus Christ. In the last few weeks, we've, we've come to the second half of Ephesians, to Ephesians 4 to 6, which really brings us to how we live out the life that God has given us in Christ. And we're calling this series that we're in right now, The Practice of Peace, as we work through Ephesians 4 to 6. And then this series will wrap up almost at the end of this month, and then beginning in September, we're going to go back to Ephesians 4, and as we begin the healthy church discernment process, we're going to work through part of Ephesians 4 and see what it has to tell us about being a healthy, discerning church, continuing to follow the Lord. So that's the big picture of where we are with our morning services, our morning sermons these days. Zooming in a bit more, last week Mac talked about the end of Ephesians chapter 4, and he shared a, a number of ways that the Bible calls us to change from, from the old life to the new life, from, from foolish talk to, to good talk. And this week's text picks up on some of those themes, follows through, but, but gives us a little different angle. So we're going to be building on last week, looking at many of the same things, but again with a little different angle, a little different set of emphases. We're going to read Ephesians 5 1 to 21 this morning, and as we have been doing this summer, after I conclude God's reading, I'm going to say, this is the word of the Lord, and I ask that you respond with thanks be to God. And now hear God's word. Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But among you there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a man is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, and find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, for it is light that makes everything visible. This is why it is said, 
Wake up, O sleeper. Rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful, then, how you live, not as the unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. This is the word of the Lord. So I'm going to begin this morning with a quotation that I saw on Twitter last week, and I'll, I'll have it up on the screen too if I remember to type it in. There we go. True freedom is doing what you want to do and not regretting it in a thousand years. True freedom is doing what you want to do and not regretting it in a thousand years. And as a definition of freedom, I'm not totally sold on that. But it made me think, what would it be like? What would it be like to live a life where you truly had no regrets? What would it be like at the end of your earthly life and then a thousand years from now in eternity to be able to look back and say, I have absolutely no regrets? I would guess that very, very few, probably none of us can look back over the course of our lives to date and say, you know, there's, there's nothing I regret, nothing I wouldn't do differently. And if we think over the history of the world, in reality, how many, how many people do you think have lived a life that had nothing regret-worthy in it? What's the number there, you think? And I think I know the number. And I think the number is one. Jesus Christ lived a life that was entirely perfect, where every choice that he made was free of sin and and where every choice that he made brought more goodness and righteousness and truth into the world. And this text invites us to that kind of life. It tells us to be imitators of love and, and to live a life like the life of Jesus. And that is... That is our first stop on our road through this text today in verses 1 and 2 that we are called to imitate Christ. And really that's the key to this whole section of Ephesians, to to what we've seen in chapter 4, to what we're looking at in chapter 5 the next couple weeks, and what we'll see in chapter 6 after that. The key, the whole point is to live a life like the life of Christ, to imitate God. And in most ways, we are not God-like and we can't imitate God, but we can imitate God, we can imitate Christ. How? Well, Ephesians tells us that Christ lived a life marked by love, marked by offering up himself, marked by sacrificing himself for the glory of God and the good of others. So this is, this is the umbrella, this is the overarching point that that we'll want to keep in mind as we walk through this text and as we look through texts in the coming weeks too. And after giving that overview, after saying, here's the big picture, Ephesians in verses 3 to 7 goes on and gives us some lists of what not to do. Be imitators of God, and so don't be like this. 
And it has three sets of three. It repeats itself. It has three sets of three things. There shouldn't be even a hint of sexual immorality, impurity, or greed. There should be no obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking among us. And then again, there should be no immorality, impurity, or greed. And if you just read through those first nine things, at least when I did early this week, I thought, what? Why this list? Why these things? I mean, okay, I, I get that we shouldn't do any of those as believers in Jesus, but, but what's, what's the underlying point beneath all of these things? What's the thing that ties them together? And the thing that ties them together, and this is our second point that I think summarizes verses 3 to 7, the thing that ties them together is the point, don't serve yourself. Don't serve yourself. When I was in grad school, we, we had a handyman who worked with all the school apartments. We were in school housing, and I asked him a couple times for different stories. You know, what was the most fun you've ever had doing this job? What was the situation that most frustrated you? And he told me the story of, of the time that, that there was this panicked call from the wife of one of the students that someone had to come over to their apartment now because it was a disaster. And so he showed up not quite sure what he would find. And, and when he walked in the door, he heard sort of a muffled, in here, come in here, from the direction of the bathroom. And he walked into the bathroom, and what he saw was this student lying under the bathroom sink, and all he could see was water everywhere in this pair of legs. And what had happened is this guy, in one of these brilliant moments that men sometimes have, thought, you know, the sink is leaking a little bit. I can fix that. And so he got some tools, and he crawled underneath the sink, and he, he pulled off a couple of the pipes, and then the water just came spraying out. And so he grabbed some paper towels, and he tried to plug it up, plug it up but that didn't work. So, so then he was grabbing other towels, and, and when the maintenance man got there, this guy was trying to stick his different fingers into the pipe and see if he could hold the water back that way. And if you've ever used a garden hose or been in this kind of situation, what is the best way to get more water pressure so water goes everywhere? Stick your finger on the end of the pipe. And so his attempt to plug this flow up had just meant there was water everywhere. And he was slightly, very embarrassed, and, and the maintenance man shook his head and walked out the door and went around to the water shutoff for the whole building and just shut the water off. When we try to undo sin, often we deal with the symptoms Often we're dealing with trying to soak up all this sin that's all over the place, but, but the more we do that and the more we try this and that and this and that and the other thing, the more we just make a mess of the whole thing. And really the root of sin, the source, the pipe that it all comes from, I think is, well, at least you can make a pretty good argument that it's selfishness. Behind sexual immorality and impurity and greed, behind much of our foolish talk and our obscenity and our coarseness is, is a valuing of ourselves above God and above other people. And there's this one phrase in this text that I think is the key to opening up why, why Ephesians gives us that whole list, and that's in verse 5. Verse 5 says you can be sure that no immoral, impure, or greedy person, you can be no, sure that no person like that has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. 
And then it gives us this phrase, such a man, such a person is an idolater. Such a person is someone who has made an idol. Such a person is someone who has turned away from God and and tried to find a way to make a life for themselves. And so I think as, as this text invites us to imitate Christ, the question it wants to pose to us in verses 3 to 7 here is, well, it's how are you serving yourself? We all have almost infinite temptations. When, when Calvin talks about this text, he talks about a river of sin that runs through our lives, and it's, it's often overwhelming, and in so many ways, no matter what we do, it keeps on carrying us along with it. So what, what spiritual springs are you living out of? What ways in your life are you, are you prioritizing what you want to do and how you want to do it instead of imitating Christ's self-sacrificial love? Are you putting God and others above yourself? Or are you putting yourself above God and others? So Ephesians invites us to imitate Christ and to live a life of love, and then it gives us a don't do this list. And then in verses 8 to 14, it goes on and it gives us a a set of images for how to live as Christ lived. And, And the overarching theme there is to walk in the light, to walk in the light. Now I'm going to take a moment here and and share with you one of, uh, and many of you have probably had this experience, one of the most scary and painful experiences you might ever have in your own home if you have kids with Legos. And you get up in the middle of the night and you want to walk to the bathroom and one of the kids needs something. And you get up and you're walking along, innocent and full of goodness, and then you step on a Lego in the dark. And oh, the pain, the agony. And some of you are thinking I'm exaggerating and you probably haven't had this actually happen to you because let me tell you, Legos are miserable to step on in the middle of the night. And so in our house, and I think in many houses, you more and more tend to turn the light on at night to avoid those miserable experiences that test your sanctification, holiness, and and ability not to wake everyone up with screams in the middle of the night. Well, Ephesians... Ephesians shows us this river of wrong, all these ways that we can go wrong, and then to mix the metaphors a little bit, it shows us that if we turn on the lights, if we walk in the light, we can avoid those things that will entrap and ultimately harm us. Don't mess around in the darkness, the text says. Follow the light. And then verses 8 to 14 in rapid-fire fashion gives us a number of images to to just give us this sense of how good it truly is to live in the way of Christ. There's a family image. Because God has made us His family, His children live in the light. There's a fruitfulness image. Darkness is unfruitful. So live in the ways of the Lord and you you will experience flourishing, true fruitfulness, goodness, righteousness, and truth. And then there's an angle on that light imagery, that light is what makes things visible. So walk in the light so you don't go where you don't want to go. And then there's a sleeping image. Wake up, O sleeper. It's daytime. The light has come. And then there's a life, a life and death image. Rise up from the dead because the light has come. 
It's as if Ephesians is walking through our spiritual house and turning on light after light after light after light and saying, do you see it yet? Do you see it yet? Do you see it yet? Do you see how walking in the way of Christ transforms everything? Do you see how much better life really is when instead of focusing on yourself, you focus on Christ and you focus on giving to others? I think we all would like more goodness in our lives and less unpleasantness. We would like more righteousness and less being all twisted around. We would like more truth and less deception. But how do we get there? How do we get there? And often, even when we're followers of Jesus, I think we spiritually spend some time underneath the bathroom sink, frantically trying to plug up the flow of sin and finding ourselves remarkably unsuccessful. So how how do we actually work at this walking in the light? So Ephesians tells us to, to live a life of love as Christ did and And not to get into all this darkness and all this self-serving and to walk in the light. And then in the next section, in 15 to 21, it gives us some practices, some ways, some means for us to draw closer to Christ. My fourth point for today is a little bit long, but, but there's a reason for that. And the point is, let the Spirit fill you with Christ. Be filled with Christ by the Spirit. And we'll... We'll unpack that, and to do that, I want to begin by really zooming in on one phrase in verse 18, and that phrase is, be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. And I think that that phrase actually works out on two levels, and, and some commentators go the direction of saying what this means is we should live lives that are, that are spiritual and that are good and, and all of that, and I think there's something to that. But I think the real point there is that we should, be, we should be looking for the Spirit to work in us. The point first is not that we do this and we do that, and, and so we live lives that evidence the work of the Spirit. The point is that the Lord, the Lord fills us with His Spirit. The active agent here is not us. We are not the ones who go out and and get a certain portion of the Spirit and pour it into ourselves. We are the ones who lay ourselves open for the Lord to fill us. And then I think if we think back to verses 1 and 2 of this text, that, that in fact what the Spirit fills us with is Christ. We are filled with Christ by the Spirit. And so what we should expect if we are living in this way, what we should expect is is that we become very specifically more and more Christ-like. The life of the Spirit should look like the life of Christ. And so if you want to ask yourself, am I growing in the Spirit, what you should do is you should look at Jesus. Because the Spirit, the Spirit, well, He's the member of the Trinity who is always pointing to the other members. The Spirit is always pointing us to Jesus and saying, look at Jesus, look at Jesus, look at Jesus. And so if we want to be Spirit-filled, what we need to do is is look to the pattern we find in Jesus, in the Gospels, in the New Testament, and and follow that. And then to get practical, because we're still being a little too abstract, 
to get practical, Ephesians goes on and, and it shows us several ways that we can play a part in having the Lord fill us with the Spirit. And it gives us, Ephesians itself gives us three practical ways to work at being filled by the Spirit. And honestly, the, the first one especially, but really all of them are not probably the three I would have picked, but this is what God's Word gives us. So we'll walk through those three and then, then close with reflecting how we can live that out. The first thing that Ephesians tells us to do to be filled with the Spirit is to sing. To sing. And three times it has different words. It says, speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing. Make music in your heart to the Lord. Music has a way of getting into our heads and getting into our hearts, right? Often as we grow older and our memory starts to fade, we can still sing the songs that were that were really in our hearts to begin with. And so if you want to grow spiritually, if you want to be more like Christ, one of the means to do that is to sing. To sing songs and hymns and praise songs to the Lord. Honestly, I didn't really see that one coming when I started into the text this week, but it's, it's the first practical application it gives us of how to be filled by the Spirit. To sing. So when we gather in church on Sunday and throughout your week, the music that you listen to, the music that we together make is one way that we draw closer to the Lord. And then Ephesians tells us to give thanks. Verse 20 says, always give thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. What we pay attention to shapes who we become. And if we are always grumpy... If we are always focusing on what's wrong and what we didn't get in life and how we, we, we didn't get our way, well, we become curved in in ourselves. But if we open up ourselves to giving thanks, if we're always looking to, to how God has worked through Christ and how God is working through the Holy Spirit, well, that transforms us. And through our thankfulness, the Holy Spirit works to make us more like Christ. When we practice gratitude, we recognize how much we really have. And when we recognize how much we really have, it becomes easier and easier to give away of ourselves to the Lord. And then third, and this is the hard one, and it's going to get harder the next couple weeks as, as Mac and I continue to walk through Ephesians. But, but third, Ephesians tells us that one way to be filled by the Spirit is to submit to each other out of reverence for Christ. And none of us likes to submit, right? None of us likes to be on that end of a relationship. And, and we'll follow up with more challenging texts of what that means the next couple of weeks in our families, in our workplaces. But one way that we are filled by the Spirit is to submit to others. And not to submit to them for their own sake, really, but because of Christ. We follow the way of Christ by submitting to Him and to the other appropriate authorities he's put in our lives. So we sing, we give thanks, and we submit out of reverence for Christ. And those are very practical ways. Those are the ways the Bible itself gives us to be, to be more and more filled with Christ by the Spirit. So I want to close with a, with a story and then an invitation. There was a, a time in high school when a number of my friends and I were, 
we're at an interesting point in our faith journey that there had been a lot of trouble in some people's lives and, and there was some real struggle and a real sense of we are either going to be all in or all out with this faith thing. Either all in or all out. Because if we aren't all in, then why are we even messing around with this? And so there were some times at youth group that there would kind of be this group that everybody else would stay away from because we were having really hard conversations about what does it actually mean to follow Jesus? And what does that look like in our lives today? And what do we need to change? And they were wonderful conversations, challenging conversations. And there was a time that one of the volunteer youth leaders bravely came over and we were around the foosball table having this discussion actually about music. What music do we listen to? What music do we fill our heads and our hearts with? And, and we were going back and forth because there are some really, really good artists out there who, uh, where their language isn't terrifically clean and the things they discuss is not necessarily the best thing to be focusing on all the time, but, but man, their artistic skill is incredible. And then there's some Christian musicians who their heart's in the right place, but their notes aren't. So what, what do we listen to? How do we work that out? And this youth leader came over and started playing, and his name was Opie, and he said, you know, I never listen to Christian music. It's terrible. Okay. Well, what if you try? And all right, we're playing some more foosball, and he thinks, but he says, all right, you know what? I'm going to jump in, and for the next month, for the next month, I am not going to listen to any music that I think could at all be a distraction from my Christian walk. None of it. And this was a guy who had music on 40 hours a week at work, all the time at home, just all the time, always in music. We said, are you sure you can do that? Like, we'd be happy if you tried it for like a week and then talked. We said, no, I'm going for a month. And so we got together the next week and we were on the foosball table again. We said, so Opie, how'd it go? Three hours. All right, Opie. We don't always succeed when we when we set out to be more like Christ. In fact, we often fail and fall flat on our faces, and it can be embarrassing. It actually can be really nice for other people, because when Opie wasn't paying attention, because he was sort of embarrassedly confessing things, we scored a goal. So it's good for other people. But wow, did Opie earn a lot of respect from those of us around the foosball table, because he was willing to step out and give it a shot. And sure, he flopped. But we went on from there and we had a conversation about, well, was that realistic? Maybe not. But, but what does it mean in this particular small area of our lives? What does it really mean to celebrate who God is? What does it mean to really live lives that are vibrant and spirit-filled? And so I want to invite all of you today. And, and, you know, Ephesians gives us three areas. If those are not where God is working in you right now, you could pick another area. But, but Ephesians gives us three particular areas to reflect on and to, to ask, how can we, by doing this, be drawn closer to Christ? How can we, by doing this, live lives that are more, that are more regret-free? more full, more flourishing, more, more the type of thing that you look back on in 10 years or, or 50 years or 1,000 years and say, that, that is who I want to be. So, how can you imitate Christ this week? Are there ways that you can build more praise into your life? Can you sing to yourself or, or listen to more psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs? Can you find ways to let the good word of God and good words about the Lord shape your heart and your mind day after day, moment after moment? 
And what exactly that would look like for you, I don't know and I don't want to legislate, but, but can you seize on to that as an opportunity to grow closer to Christ? And giving thanks. Are there ways in your life that you can, that you can focus more on what is positive than what is negative? Are there ways in your life that you can see how God is at work if you open up your eyes and, and maybe even if you ask Him to show you? This works well if you're in a delightful season of life. If, if you're a family, or, or a, friend, a family member or a friend of one of the couples that got married this week or if there are other wonderful things going on this summer, if you just came back from a great vacation, well, then it's easy to say, yes, I can be grateful. But what about if you're in a hard season of life and things are dark and gloomy and challenging and and maybe this is a season where God is inviting you to look around and to see how you can practice gratitude because God is always at work. And then in submitting to others, are there ways in your life that you can lay aside your own will and do someone else's will in a way that witnesses to the Lord and, and that builds up their faith? Are there things you can do, even if they aren't things you exactly have to do, but are there things you can do to show others what the love of Christ looks like? Or can you do the things that you do in a spirit that is different? Instead of grumbling and complaining and just doing the minimum, can you celebrate your opportunity to serve others? Those are three ways that Ephesians invites us, three paths that we can walk to grow closer to the Lord. And if none of those grab you, maybe you can just ask the Lord through the Spirit to show you to show you in your life how God is working in you and what you can do to grow closer to Him. And as we do these things, we, well, we come to imitate God more and more. And hopefully by God's grace, someday we will all be able to look back and say, you know, I have no regrets. Because of God's grace, not because of myself, but because of God's grace, because of the work of the Spirit, because of the presence of Christ in my life, I have no regrets. Church, be filled with Christ by the Spirit. Let's pray. Father, so often when we look to you, we, well, we see this shining light of a life, we see this this life that looks so wonderful to be truly good and righteous and truth-filled and to have everything be right and, and so often that looks so, so far away. So far away from our current experience, so far away from the best of our abilities and, and so far that we, we don't even want to try. Lord, we ask that you be strongly present in our lives, even in our failures. Help us to experience your forgiveness and your grace, even in the worst of our sins. And Lord, we pray that through your Spirit, you work in us to show us the light and to lead us more and more into the light. Lord, we pray that you convict and, and encourage and equip each one of us to see some way that beginning today, we can be more filled with your Spirit and more like Christ. Give us the strength that we need to embrace this as a joyful opportunity to, to celebrate how you, how you are with us, how you are in us, how you are for us. Lord, we pray that you equip us. We pray that you pour out your love on us. We pray that you help us to follow in the way that your word leads. Amen.